the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 166. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show. It's recording. Hi, everyone. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. It's been a while for me. I feel a little out of practice. I bet. I bet. It has been a while for you. Um, it still even feels like it's been a while for me, even though we only took the one week off. Um, yeah. Wow. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for holding down the fort for the most of May and beginning of June here. I... We off last week, so yeah, we can talk. Well, and I, like I said, I've said, I, I, um, that enthusiasm was, was not forced. I was actually thrilled. I was thrilled. I mean, I, of course I missed you and I, it was, it, I must say I came to a whole other level of appreciation for our collaboration (laughs) because it was hard. It was, it, it was hard, um, I've become very uh, dependent on you as a second voice in these interviews. And um, I enjoy our working relationship and our collaboration. And so it was definitely hard. Um, I would go back immediately and re-listen because I was full of self-doubt. And, and um, but at the same time, I was also very enthusiastic. I, I was thrilled to um, get introduced to new books and talk to authors and talk about process and all of that stuff was, I mean, you know, that's just right up our alley anyway. Yeah. No, I loved it. And what, for me, um, thank you for saying that. Nice. I love collaborating with you, Sandra, and I feel like it makes this so doable. Otherwise, I think I could really get in my own way, my own voice, in my head, self-doubt. Like, I think I could do all of that if I was doing this alone. And it's really nice to have a partner to do it with. 
Right, right. I'm listening every week, like I was brand new, you know, just going, oh, I, I wonder what they talked about this week. <laughs> um, and I didn't even know who you were interviewing either. So every week it was like this delightful surprise. And it felt good for me. It was a great exercise in letting go. Um, you know, I struggle with that. I struggle with um, surrendering, as most people do. Um, right. In control of a creative project or wanting, you know, I kind of, um, I think from working with you, I've learned so much about myself, about working with others. Um, and this, this kind of stepping back was like, I was so ready for it though, Sandra. I really needed it. And um, yeah, just really grateful for it. So, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. And I hope you feel rejuvenated. Um, I do. I do, even though things are heavy, but yes, I do. I do. I'm ready to do whatever we're going to do here on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I mean, you know, um, so much, you know, so much is happening in our personal lives. So much in the world. It is a amazing time to be alive right now is what I keep thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, where should we start? So much, to, I, you know, on the COVID front, I mean, I was just in um, a hospital, in and out of a hospital a whole lot, not for myself, but for my mom this week. We've both been taking care of our mothers and Um, my mom had a knee replacement surgery, which now is a pretty, it's a pretty in and out thing. Um, I was lucky to be, she was lucky to be in a smaller hospital. So it was like, I didn't have to go through, didn't have to walk a whole lot of halls to get to her room. And so that felt, and they screened everyone and everyone was wearing masks and there was just lots of cleanliness and all that. So I, I wasn't too afraid of Oh, and she was on the same floor as labor and delivery. And so I kept thinking, you know, there's no COVID here (laughs) on this floor. (laughs) Or, you know, they're probably keeping it as contained as they possibly could. Right. Right. Yeah, the the going into, I had a lot of fear before I went on my trip to take care of my mom. And I had a lot of fear about going to hospitals. And I had really built it up, Sandra, a lot because I didn't know what the experience would be. Um, and so I did, I, I did the thing where you just go to the place that you shouldn't go, you know, and thinking it's just going to be all these germs and I'm going to get it. My mom's going to get exposed. And I was just totally future tripping. Uh, but my mom as well, the, the places I had to take her for chemo and radiation were one level, like kind of office complexes where I would go and you would enter on the ground floor and I couldn't go in with her and, uh, drop her off and pick her up, you know, and it, it turned out to be okay. And she took a test, a COVID test and she didn't have it. And so I felt, I felt more at ease that I realized that fear was really getting the best of me because it had been building up at home while we were sheltering in place. It just was building every day. Sure. I mean, it's just by nature, the whole sheltering in place kind of, I mean, because the only experience you're getting is through your television or social media. And so it's pretty easy to go there, to build up that fear because you're not seeing it with your own eyeballs, exactly what it looks like. And I mean, some of that fear is a healthy fear. We want to protect ourselves and we want to protect the people that we love and we want to protect humankind. But, um, 
but yeah, it was pretty easy to go to like worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But once you walked through it, it felt like, okay, that was, um, you know, I, I don't mind having healthy fears about things. Um, but that one I did take a little, a little to the edge. I took it to the edge and um, it almost prevented me from going. And I, you know, we've been sharing weekly in our get unruffled calls that we've been having with our listeners on Sundays. Um, and those are at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 Central, and noon on the East Coast. And we've been, we've been sharing. I've still been showing up for those and sharing with you. And, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to go. My fear was going to keep me from going to, to take care of my mom. And I'm really glad that it didn't. And I was really glad I could voice that in the group and feel um, safe to do so. And I really appreciated that. And then I could work through it in real time and share with you guys kind of what was happening. It was very helpful. It was a great tool for my sobriety. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's where all healing starts across any level, I think, is um, is is voicing that thing that you're, that fear, is voicing that fear, no matter how irrational it is or, 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 the, the discomfort that it leaves you in by saying it, it's, it's, it's there. The thought is there yeah. and pushing it away or denying it. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's um, it, it's, well, not only is it not helpful, I don't think you can, you, you can't process through anything by doing that. Yeah. But yeah. I have to keep learning that too. I feel like with um, what's been going on um, with the shelter in place and being home, I mean, there's been many things that I really love about it, Sandra. And my there's a few relationships here locally that have deepened um, with the texting and with the support and the picking up things at the store and the, the talking on the phone, you know, and things that I normally wouldn't do as much. Um, and then there's other things that, you know, have, have been harder. And I've just been, I've had to really think about early sobriety. I went back and read some things I had written in early sobriety and just thinking about the uncomfortableness and kind of um, how to stay with that and not run away and not numb out and not um, use my old numbing tools. I'm still using numbing tools, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And right. I pick my battles in that department, you know. Yeah. And yesterday I thought about you. I went on a walk for the first time in a long time. And I know how you say that that really helps you. And uh, I have resisted walking even and going out on walks. Like I'm just in place. And mm -hmm. I think I'm working on my soul. I'm working on my spiritual work. I'm working on recovery. I'm working on art. I'm working on my business. But I think that I need that physical movement to get me out of my head. Right, because we're not just a brain, right? We are a, a whole entire working body that's, that's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that if you, it's, it's, um, it's an integration, it's a process of integration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to ask, uh, I think maybe we should chat really quickly about how we didn't, we weren't on the air last week. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. So yeah, we, we took a, we took, um, a week off. We didn't record a podcast last week and that, or, and didn't have one in the can and 
and we skipped a week. And that's the first time that we've done that um, since we started this podcast over three years ago. Um, we knew there could be a day that we would do this yeah. and, you know, it wouldn't, things wouldn't fall apart. Um, but it seems like a very good reason to take a pause. I liked how we came. I just wanted to share really quick. It's, Sandra, you and I share this um, connectedness, I think. And while we're not um, alike in many ways, right? We have different ways that we operate and how we get inspired by our work. And, you know, you have handwork um, and I do a different type of handwork, right? Like it's just like we have these similarities and then we have these differences. And what I thought was great was like we just texted the morning that we were supposed to record. And basically either you or I, I don't even remember, said like, I, I'm not feeling it. Like, and I think you said like, I got nothing to add. I don't, there's nothing I could say today that would like, what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to be yeah. quiet. We're going to be quiet. <laughs> right. That is the order of the day. And we both just texted each other at like 5.30 in the morning. I think it was here. I was like, okay, we're just going to pause. And that felt like the most right thing to do. Um, yeah, it certainly did. Because I tell you what, I immediately wanted to jump up and give my um, racial resume, which I did not make up that term. Um, I've been listening a lot to a lot of thought leaders. Um in the black community and those doing anti-racist work. And those are the words of um, Resna um, Minicum, who was on On Being um, last week. I'm not sure I, if you've heard that yet, but it's phenomenal, phenomenal. And um, he, I, I listened to the edited version and I'm halfway through the unedited version because it's just so profound. And he wrote a book called My Grandmother's Hands, which I think we're going to share some resources at the end, but I've, I've, um, that's on back order as with every book <laughs> on, on, on that does anti-racism that speaks to anti-racism work. But, um, but yeah, that my, my first reaction was I need to give my racial resume <laughs> wow. because Everyone needs to know that I've been doing this, some form of this work for a long time. And I am so glad that we both listened to that, that inner voice and took a pause because that was not the time yeah. um, for me to center myself and my white privilege in this story. Isn't that interesting? Like that pause. Yes. It answers. It, it helps solve a lot of pr problems in the making. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it helps just kind of put, just put a, put a cork in that for a minute. Just yeah. for, a minute, for a hot minute. You don't need to, you don't need to say anything. And, right. And on social media, I mean, that's where I share everything. And to be quiet was really, uh, I can't say it was uncomfortable. It wasn't uncomfortable to be quiet. No, it wasn't uncomfortable. Mm -mm. It was just needed, period. Right. What it was, was just necessary. It was essential. Yeah. 
Um, I've, I think I shared this uh, with you earlier and I don't know where, if it's right, wrong, whatever, I know I'm gonna fuck up and get things wrong in this department and I have to just kind of own it, but I'm not sure. I know I'm part white, <laughs> my dad is Mexican and I, I'm concerned also with like, I don't know my own culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is bringing up like, what, what is mine to share? I've been raised, quote, unquote, no, I'm not going to quote unquote, because I read that that's not what you do. You don't say shit like that. <laughs> you don't quote anything. You just say, I've been raised with white privilege. And I, I think it hit me in a way, Sandra, that I have been denying part of who I am for my whole life because we were taught assimilation. Mm-hmm. We were taught not to tell people we were Mexican, you know, that we, um, and not taught, um, it was um, modeled for me. Right. And so, which is the big, biggest teaching tool. We know this. Right. So yes. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I want to be honest. If I'm going to start here, I just have to say that I'm confused with who I am. And I know that that is separate and apart right now from Black Lives Matter. And I don't want it to be all about, well, I need to find out who I am. If I, I mean, yes, I do. But that's going to be my private work. I don't feel like talking about that actually, other than I'm going to talk about it right now to you. And I talked to you about it on a call we had, but that's work that I need to do. That's, it's just my own work that I've been working on for two years quietly. And all this came up and I felt shame about it. I felt shame that I haven't been aware of other things going on that I haven't been aware of, of the, of what's going on with black people, to be quite honest with you. I thought I was, but I was not. (laughs) Well, according to Resma though, that is part of the work. That is part of the work. It is going back and and finding out who you are in your own ancestry and coming to terms with that. Um, there's a woman that um, Amanda Grace introduced me to, and I've been learning just from her her IGTV um, post. Her name is Sonia Renee Taylor, and she she proposed this idea of you know, seeking atonement for and from your own ancestors. That's the work of white people right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I don't know what that looks like, <laughs> but I'm curious and, and I'm, I'm ready to do that work. I'm ready to do that work. I'm ready to take it as far as it needs to go. Yeah. But there's a saying, I don't know who said this, um, but I just looked up Sonia Marie Taylor. Is that what you said? Sonia Renee Taylor. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. I just looked up Sonia Marie Taylor, who is a, a, a black woman. And she said, show me who you associate with and I'll tell you who you are. That's what that quote was. So, okay, so Sonia Renee, I need to go look that up. But my mm-hmm. dad used to say that all the time. Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And he would say it in Spanish and he would say it in English. And it was always in a tone that was not very uh, kind. And I have to say, thinking about it this last week, my in real life friends, I don't have any more friends. And I have friends on social media. I have friends through the program you know, connections and contact and support their work and artists that I love. But in real life, I do not. I live in a very white place. 
Mm-hmm. Not very diverse. And uh, as I'm thinking about my life and as I'm thinking about what's going to happen in the future here, uh, where I'm going to live, that's a consideration for me. And I was like, how great that I can actually factor that in now. That right. I make a choice, a conscious choice. I've always been drawn to Portland, like I've said, which I don't think that's incredibly diverse, but it's more diverse than where I live. Right. In a city. And I think cities have that where it's more ethnically diverse. So anyway, I have lots of thinking to do. And I'm just appreciating people that are sharing resources right now. Mm-hmm. What you're doing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. So Sonia Renee Taylor, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's an action. That's an action that you can, t- you can take, right? I mean, I, I did something similar and I did not have language for it until this week. But I did something similar in my like real life, you know, 12 step meeting. And, um, you know, there, it was like a slow dawning, but I came to realize that there was a lack of diversity of voices and experiences in my, you know, the place that I considered my home group. Mm-hmm. place where I attended the most meetings. And it wasn't even just, you know, diversity and race, but even class mm-hmm. and sexual preference. <laughs> I mean, it was a very white, cis, normal, vanilla. And, and not that those people, you know, white, vanilla, and normal should not have a space to 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 trust and a space to share and not that their, their experiences aren't valid. But I felt like my growth was being stunted because I was not getting to experience a diversity of voices. Mm-hmm. And so I, so, you know, when I go to meetings now, I go to the Galano club for the most part, um, unless I go with a friend somewhere else. And I know in some cities they're called Alano, but it's usually the LBGTQ um, and allies um, oh, is recovery that recovery spaces. Uh huh. It's called the Galano. That's the difference. So I don't know. Ours is called the Galano. G A L A N O. The Galano Club. Uh-huh. Ours is called Alano, and it's near the freeway, which I find that meetings near. Um, Big highways and things always are, are, seem to be more diverse. I don't know if it's uh, the concentration of the neighborhoods or I don't know if it's people traveling and they, they're visiting. I know a lot of people visit meetings on the commute, but it is more diverse as well. And I just found that my, my recovery needed to hear more nuance. Like I needed to hear, I needed to hear a diversity in experience. I just felt like my growth and recovery, I was not evolving and, and I needed, I needed to listen to a richness of experience. And, um, but you know, I was thinking too, and, and, and so, and I get that at those meetings cause there is a diversity of all, there's all kinds of voices, um, there. And, um, but I was going to say, but the the more too I've been thinking about it and, and just in reflecting on all our little, you know, recovery space, um, 
on Facebook that is very, very predominantly white. I mean, um, we don't, don't have a lot of faces of color in our group. Um, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe this is by design, you know, maybe black people don't feel safe to share in white spaces. Right. I, you know, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that is, um, but it's, but that could be true. Yeah, I, from, you shared something in the, um, in the uh, unruffled page with a woman named Ariel. I don't know her last name. Mm, mm-hmm. And I loved, thank you so much for that, Sandra. And I've seen it shared elsewhere. Uh, I think it resonated with me. I don't have a lot of, um, like I said, I only a few times has there been, um, black members at my 12 step meetings and you're right in our own recovery space. Um, how can we make that more open? How can we make that more, um, a door that somebody wants to walk through and hang right. out with us, right? <laughs> but if I don't have, I don't know, I feel so, uh, kind of bankrupt in this department. I just feel really inadequate. That's all I can say. Yeah, which is an honest leading the charge here and helping me because I don't, I'm, I'm somebody that wants to please everyone. So it's real hard to think that I might not, or I might piss somebody off. Mm. Um, And I feel Mm -hmm. extremely vulnerable and I feel like there could be public shaming. (laughs) Yeah. Either, you know, but I can take it. Right. I mean, I just keep thinking about, you know, any sort of, it's all uncomfortable, right? And, and any sort of fear I have in staring that down is only just a minuscule fraction of the fear a black person experiences every second of every day in this country. So, you know, I, I just keep going back to that. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Stay curious. stay open. And I'm talking, this is self-talk, but, um, because I think that that's, I think, I think it's going to, you know, who knows what it's going to look like going forward, but it's going to be something new. It's going to be something that we've never seen before. I just, I just see the change that's already kind of happening in terms of like defund the police and, these rallies and these peace marches and just, it's, it's an incredible time. Yeah. Incredible time. And to see the young people, to see my, my goddaughter graduated um, on Wednesday, last Wednesday. And we went to lunch afterwards. We've been, we've been quarantining with their family, like a pod, I think it's called so that we've been around each other. Right. And, but she was like, when are we done with lunch? Cause I got to get to San Francisco cause we're marching to the police mm-hmm. station at four fifteen, and we live like a good hour and a half away from San Francisco. She's like, let's get this moving. I need, and she had blisters on her feet from marching five and a half miles two days prior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had flip flops on and she was like, I, she's like, this March is only a half a mile, but I got to be there, you know, and her sister mm-hmm. and friends. And I was just thinking about the young people. There's just, um, I, I hope they're going to help affect this wave of change, you know? Right. They make me feel hopeful. I know I have a little, I have a 
teenage activist here as well. And he makes me, he gives me some hope for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. You know, going back to that thought about, you know, um, inclusivity and diversity in, in recovery spaces. I I was in thinking about that. Have you, have you ever been to, um, I shared this in our unruffled meeting, but I think it was before you got on. Have you ever been to black church? Have you ever gone to black church before? Um, no, I have not. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked about our religious upbringing mm-hmm. <laughs> on the podcast many times. And um, we were a family that attended church three times a week. Um, all of my friends were were members of my church, families from my church. And I grew up very invested in our church. And um, we had, you know, we had several black families in our church and you know, we were very good friends with, with them growing up and they were good friends with many families in our church. But a couple of times a year, we as a congregation would visit some black churches in Houston. And, um, it was always my favorite because, um, black church is so different than white church. (laughs) It's just so charismatic. It's embodied. That's the only way I can describe it. It is embodied. Um, and, uh, while we were always welcome there, you know, like with open arms and all the love they had to give, you could kind of tell that when it was time to go, they were just like, all right, then <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> you know? Now we can get back, um, to feeling safe and not feeling like there's some white people here that's going to try to take over what we're doing here and the work that we're doing here and the, and the pain and suffering that we get to share here. And we don't have to center it around white people. This is a black person's experience. And so, I mean, there's just, I, again, questions, way more questions than I have answers you know, way more questions. Um, but I'm not afraid of doing this work. Oof. Just, so there's a, the only experience, so what you've just described, I'm having in my head as a memory, but it's not a memory of my own. It's a memory from reading To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. And when Scout goes to church with Cal, the man, mm-hmm. and how I remember reading it to Grady out loud and talking about that experience. And when you just said embodied, it just reminded me of that. I'm going to have to go look that up. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a church in San Francisco called Glide Memorial. And I think there was a movie about it with Will Smith was to kill, uh, was not to kill, um, Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's the church I think that he, he found uh, comfort and peace and uh, community with. Uh, while he was homeless in San Francisco. And I've had friends that have gone there that, that tell me like it's an experience and it's really it, it is, it will bring you to tears. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I just remember being a teenager and just completely, my whole body would vibrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
beautiful experience. Um, yeah, I, I mean, going back to the rate, what? You've been doing work and research and sharing and resources and you've been digging in. I have been digging in and sharing a lot of resources, like in my stories on Instagram, just anything that I've, you know, anyone that I'm learning from, um, I'm sharing, yeah, I've been sharing a lot on, on Instagram. You know, I, I, again, coming back to my racial resume, it's like, I still, I can't resist. Like, I feel like I got to share it. No, but you know, I'm, I'm sure like most, you know, white students in the seventies and eighties, I think we spent about a minute on, on, Jim Crow and, um, you know, on the civil rights movement. I mean, I don't remember it being, you know, the, being any, there being any sort of significant learning experience at all, um, in grade school or high school. Um, you know, I went to college right after high school and that's when, you know, my eyes were, open, flung open. Like I think a lot of people are experiencing maybe right now for the first time. And, you know, you get there when you get there, but I, you know, took classes on black history and literature and, um, and that's when I started feeling that, that rage, um, and my activism started started then, you know, and I, I protested against apartheid and the death penalty and, you know, wrongful imprisonment and, um, against, you know, racial injustice. But, um, I don't, you know, I, I, but, but then I, but I, what I think about more are the times that I tempered that you know, when I didn't use my voice. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember the most. Well, that's where um, the shame comes in. That's what I've been doing, mm-hmm. I think, is the shame of that. Uh, I can get over it. Again, it doesn't need to be like everybody feel sorry for me or tag onto it or make me feel better about it. I don't need to feel better about it, but I can move through it. And the only way to do that is by doing something about it. Right. Right. I just, you know, the mantra I keep saying is I forgive myself, but I can do better. Right. And, um, I think that that's the way forward. Forgive yourself for what you either didn't know or the times you didn't use your voice or the times you could use your voice, but could have used it louder. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of shame over the time when drinking took over my life and my, all my activism fell away. You know, I honestly, I don't think you can be an alcoholic and be a passionate activist. I just don't think you can. I don't think, you know, you can't advocate for other people when you cannot even advocate for yourself. Mm, That's something to think about, Sandra. Yeah. And I have a lot of shame about that, about that, you know, good 15 years lost. Um, But again, I forgive myself and I can do better. I can do so much better. 
Yeah, the, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's that Maya Angelou quote that I'm sure I'm gonna not get perfectly right, but when you know better, you do better. Right. Qualified mm-hmm. down, but yeah, and now I'm getting to know a little bit better and, that, and that's for everything in my life. I couldn't possibly do better if I didn't even know. And how could I not know that this was an issue? That's how ignorant I was. And to admit that and to, um, I could see the only vestiges of it that I could see were through uh, recently, yeah, going through college recently and taking a history class. And I would come home and I was just so pissed off at the white man. And I would come home and tell my husband who is a white man, I'd be like, you would not believe what I learned today. Mm-hmm. You didn't learn that in high school. You didn't learn that. You didn't know that. I was like, I had no idea what they did to hope that. So this was all about all different races. So Hawaiians, um, the Mexican land grant, how all the land was taken. They, mm-hmm. you know, Indians, the, um, the slaves, like all of this stuff that was happening. I was just outraged because I was never taught that in school. Right. I was not taught that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a, a really beautiful, uh, uh, Native, well, indigenous person. And she taught me not to call her Native American, but indigenous person because she comes from tribes from Costa Rica, Mexico, and different tribes here in California. But she, in college, I, I could just ask her some questions. And not that she had to teach me or to be my teacher, but I went to a lecture of her. So I got to like raise my hand and ask questions. Right. That was mm-hmm. what, you know, that's what the format was. Sure. And, and why was the word tribe offensive? And even though one of our unruffled listeners had pointed that out to me in the past, I had to mull it over for myself because I was really justifying using the word. And this woman really helped uh, me figure out a solution for using the word, and which is really beautiful. So now I use circle instead of tribe. Mm-hmm. She said that has meaning for you, uh, which makes it beautiful. And you're not culturally appropriating a word that maybe you shouldn't be using. She's like, but you can do whatever you want. And she was just so beautiful in her teaching. So I know that I can learn. I know that I can do better. And I know that Mm -hmm. I can make a point and add this into my recovery work because I need to recover parts of um, myself and I need to recover um, language that I'm uncomfortable using. I need to recover um, and discover, I think is what you talked about. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, Falky talked about um, uncovering, discovering, and just forging a new way. And, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, probably one of the hardest things I've looked at this week, and this again was presented by Sonia Renee Taylor. She said the work of white women, me, mm-hmm. um, is to really look at, you know, what kind of monster are you that you've lived with and tolerated systems that oppress and dehumanize and kill people of color? Can you say that again? Yeah. Like, what kind of monster am I that I've lived with and tolerated systems that oppress, dehumanize, and kill people of color? what kind of monster am I that I've just tolerated it? And that's a fucking hard question to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, that's, that's what I wake up pondering every day because I know I've been complicit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that silence equals violence now. I get that. And, um, and there's so just, it's a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but like everything, when it's a lot of work, it's usually really, I mean, it's, 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 it's what gets me up. Like you just said, it's like, so I'm not afraid of hard work. Right. If I were still drinking, I, I couldn't be as conscious and present and willing and able. And I think we talk about this a lot with sobriety. It's one thing to be willing to get sober, but it's another thing to be ready to get sober. And because of my sobriety, I know that I can be ready to do this type of work. Uh, I know that silence is violence. I did hear you say that, I think on social media before, maybe it was last week, but um, for me too, and, and I'm just being flat out honest, I'm in a little bit of a, a me bubble of my life and uh, my impending divorce, uh, my mother's illness, managing the family, managing her health care, managing trying to make a living on my own and support myself. Um, I'm going to do the work, but I do feel like I have these other things that are um, going to have me quietly doing the work for a while. Mm-hmm. Which is also, yeah, also valid work. Yeah. And, uh, but I will no longer sit at the Thanksgiving table and allow my, uh, I'm not going to name any uh, guests to say racist things and not say mm. to keep mm-hmm. the table. I am no longer going to um, ignore the fact that uh, I am a Latina woman. <laughs> And that, uh, that I have, I'm cut off from that part of my heritage or that I have um, a Choctaw Indian in me and that I need to do that ancestor work in Oklahoma. Um, Grady County is where my grandfather was born and I named my son Grady. I didn't even know anything about that until I got sober and did genealogy work in my first class at college. I had to do a family tree. So I love the research of it. I love that I can um, research about Black Lives Matter. They've had they've had protests here for a long time, Sandra. I've never long time. Yeah. never attended one. Never got never even checked it out. I thought, yes, they do, and that's about as far as I went. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, they do, and 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 then nothing. So um, that won't be anymore. But I don't know how that's going to look for me. I share a lot on social media for my work. I don't know if that will include that or not. I just kind of have to take it one day at a time, like I take my recovery and just see what kind of blooms. And um, But my eyes are open in a way that they haven't been before. And I'm very grateful to the, to the thought leaders and to the activists and to the women that are opening up my eyes and my ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How fun, how fun is it that Sharon Walters has like been selling out of all of her art prints? Oh my gosh. I was just reading that this morning. Uh-huh. How do I get her? I was looking, I was like, how do I get her stationery? I would love to get some stationery. So uh-huh. Amazing. And her, her work is so beautiful. 
It is beautiful. Have you gotten to discover any new um, black artists that you've not ever seen noticed before? I've, I've ran across a couple. Yeah, I have. I also, I also follow some black artists for years that I've been following Mm -hmm. and reading their take on this. And that's why sometimes I feel a little uh, inadequate because there's, there, there's been some sentiment like, like, you know, where's everybody been? It's nice. Right. Now, but, and so some of these artists, like I think maybe what you talked about that racial resume, I'm like, Hey, hey, I've been, I've been following you for six years. I really, (laughs) (laughs) shut it down. You you know, you know, I'm just, but I'm listening. And and I find that I've, um, I I have followed new people, Sandra. I have to tell you this list making lady has not written anything down. Um, But I've been following what I've been drawn to. So if you have some to share, I would love to hear. Oh, I, I, well, there was one artist that I discovered and I don't even know where I saw her work shared and I apologize, but, um, she's an artist named Tawny Chapman Uh and she does these, uh, I can't, they've left me speechless there. They are, she has a series called in, uh, the redemption, the redemption where she's taken photographs of black girls and she has overlaid um, these beautifully ornate dresses and um, um, hair pieces and in the inspiration of Gustav Klimt's, Mm -hmm. you know, golden phase. So like the gold, the beautiful gold and floral, dresses they're just amazing did you um instagram or what'd you find her i that's why i can't remember where i found her i can't remember somebody had shared her work and i can't remember who did but her name is t-a-w-n-y tawny chapman c-h-a-t-m-o-n oh chapman okay chapman uh-huh and they are just Wow. Just stunning. Just stunning. Um, I want to fall into it. Right? I know. They are absolutely stunning. Um, and I'm like you. I've followed. There's been many black artists that I have, I have followed and been really loud about their work for a long time. I've, you know, I've shared the work of um, Nick Cave, not this the singer Nick Cave, but there was an artist named Nick Cave who is um, a black artist who makes these things called, you got to just Google them. He calls them sound suits, but they're these crazy, beautiful, like full body art pieces that a person can put on and wear and they make noise when they move and they're just stunning. And a lot of them are made out of found objects, which of course that part I love as well. Right. Um, you turned me on to him, the sound suits. And I yes. might've gone to see that exhibit. I think Hillary might've seen that exhibit um, when it was back East. Yeah. His work is just incredible. And there's another artist I just wanted to just share real quick too. His name is Mark Bradford. Have you ever seen his work? No. I don't think so. um, it's, stunning he also uses 
um, uh, material, non, what do you call it? There's a word for it when it's like non-typical materials. Uh, Mixed media? Yeah, I guess it's like a mixed media. Um, So he, he just layers things, but it's, he uses just um, a lot of found materials, but they have meaning in the piece. So it's not just junk that he's collected off the side of the road. They have meaning in the piece. Um, They're usually like receipts or something from, and and so they're all layered into, into or yeah yeah and i and I guess you have to kind of see his stuff um to to get what his, what his pieces are but they they are all they all speak to race mm-hmm. and and culture mm-hmm. and um it's just absolutely stunning um well those are so anyway three those right are there. Nick cave mark Bradford and tawny Chapman. Tawny Chapman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. I wrote, I just, I was looking. Um, I found um, last week when I was getting quiet, uh, my gratitude list I usually share every day, right? That's just kind of what I do. And this year I've been focusing on women, Sandra. And I've had a lot of um, uh, images, you know, that just from all different cultures is what I'm trying to look at when I'm looking at uh, my magazines. And last week I focused primarily on black women and listening to what the what was being said in the in the news and social media and what I was reading and it was it was nice to do that and then when the end of the week came I was like well do I share this do I is this I I just I was just doubting myself at every turn I was like well you always share your lists and the fact that you're featuring black women every day last week when we were supposed to be getting quiet and learning um I went ahead and shared that and uh that the series might morph and change. I was thinking of some things that I could do with my own art to elevate the voices of some, some people that I'm listening and following. So that might come to be, um, it's going in my idea book, you know, to kind of do ray of lights or, um, anyhow, I, I'm not really sure what it's going to be yet. It's all kind of incubating. And, um, I thought that that's a way that I could express myself or express what's going on without having to have words, I'm having a hard time with words. <laughs> well, and that's what that's what art is. Yeah. It expresses what can't be described with words. Yeah. And I mean that's what we do. That's how that's how we work through anything. Yeah. Is we make art. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. I think my body knew it, but I just it's been my heart and mind have been tangled up in so many different emotions and it's been, uh, uh, yeah. I, yesterday was my first urge to paint and I haven't had that in a long time. So I was like, I need to just get out there and just paint. And I keep saying that and not doing it. And yesterday, it was last night when I was in bed, I was like, you need to get your ass out there and just put something on the canvas and then just walk away and just get started. So we'll see. Oh, I have time to <laughs> what I have the time <laughs> right right yeah 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 I too am so this is gonna sound very vague and even sort of esoteric but uh, just bear with me 
I've, I mentioned a, probably a long time ago that um, about, I was trying to think of when this happened. Um, eight years ago, maybe? My mother gave me, um, bought these boxes and boxes of photos and photo albums, clippings and all this stuff that was my, my grandma's. Um, and my heritage is very Southern, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. And, um, I spent like a year going through all of, all of this stuff, kind of trying to organize it and getting rid of the duplicates and all that. And, um, in my, I found one little tiny cloth or not cloth, um, paper, I guess, black paper, um, photo album that I've kind of figured out was my grandpa's, which was really interesting. He was born in like 1906 and he, um, he was a very quiet man, like a, he was a farmer and, um, he died, uh, in 87. So he died, um, the year I graduated from high school. And um, so um, this was his, I, I figured out this was his photo album because it had some like receipts and things that were really just personal to him. Hunting, uh, hunting lease or hunting, um, what do you call it? Um, not leases, but uh, um, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to. <laughs> anyway, just receipts and things that made me realize that this was his personal little tiny photo album and and, I th and it was really interesting and then there was um a um clipping in there that prompted me to do some googling and um in a in a way i found the story um that became so intriguing to me and I, it scared me. I didn't even know what to do with it. Um, but I started putting down the facts of it in a journal. Again, it sounds very vague, but it's about, it's basically about the story of this, this black man who had, um, gotten killed by a, a lynch mob. And, um, I've never, never been able to put it away. Like it just comes up every once in a while. I think about him and, um, and then this last week I've really been meditating and thinking about why on earth did he find me <laughs> this white woman in middle age from Texas? Why did he find me? And it's so odd. So I picked it up again. And, and it's so funny too. Like I thought I had found like all, cause the story was from 1928 and I thought I had found anything by Googling that I could possibly find. And last night after I got home from my, from being with my mom, I thought I'm going to Google it one more time and see if anything new comes up. And sure enough, a whole nother new newspaper article came up hmm. and um, that had been um, archived from about this, this incident. 
And again, I like I in my meditation this morning, I was I cried. I was like, why are you why is he contacting me? I have no idea. Um, but it's just one of those things. I don't know where this this is gonna go, this research is gonna go. I have no idea. But um that's how I'm working through with art is it's going to be some sort of artistic expression. I just don't know quite yet what it's going to be, but it's also one of those things too, like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, you know, that idea it's landed on me or that voice or that invitation. And if I don't do something with it, it's just somebody else. It'll go to someone else. He'll, he'll leave me. (laughs) This man (laughs) will leave me and he'll knock on someone else's door. So I'm going to see how that happens though. And that's how we get to follow that thread. And it's because we are present and it's because we're paying attention now because we're not drinking. Yeah. This show is about the intersection, right? The, the crossroads of recovery and creativity. And I feel like the only way I can do any art is by having a clear mind. Right. And that could, I can follow those breadcrumbs. I can put those things together now in a way that's never before. That's right. Because when, when this, when I first found this clipping, I was not sober and it scared me so bad. I put it back in the box and put it away. Like, no, no. Oh, no. I don't know what, no, I don't, I can't. don't want to look at this. It's too painful. It's too, yeah. it's, it's a shocking and horrible story. And, um, but yet, you know, but now I, now you're right. Now I can, now I can gingerly, um, follow my curiosity and, and be open to, to, um, learning and processing and learning some more and processing some more. Well, um, I appreciate this conversation, Sandra. I know oh, I, I do too. Get it wrong. I know I'm going to say things they aren't right, but for me, where I'm called right now is to do that kind of ancestor genealogy lineage uh, work, and I think by me feeling more firm in who I am, I can um, I can see why perhaps I've traveled down this road, and I can make some course corrections. And um, I welcome that work. Like I said, I've quietly and so slowly been doing this work, but now it's time to get up to speed. And these little tiny knowings that I've been having over the last two years, uh, I, can, I can get to work because I, I have some footings. I have some things I can kind of latch on to to go, okay, like, let's get this shit tight. Let's get, just like get, let's get organized here. You know what you need to do. And... Um, you have a little bit of a foundation of work that you can start digging into. So uh, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate our community. And um, I really want to say to our listeners, um, I think you said this so eloquently, Sandra, for for what we shared for last week's post um, and on social media, please follow. We know that we've only had four guests that are um, black that have been on this show. Please follow Sandsbar and Chris Marshall. Please, Please follow the work of Sherry Hampton. Um, and served up sober. Um, please follow the work of, um, help me, Jocelyn's last name. Jocelyn Harvey. Thank you, Jocelyn Harvey. Who and just started a podcast this week. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. 
and Sharon Walters, who I freaking love her work so much. I'm loving mm. what she's doing. And follow their work, support their art, um, um, see what they have to say, because they have a lot of things to say. And I think that you and I are just going to try to um, do better. Yeah, right? just keep doing better. And, and uh, that's all we can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for our tools, I, we kind of talked about this, but I'm, I'm just going to hope that this is okay. I might be spraying mm -hmm. this on you, but I'm just going to kind of run down and just give a list of, of what I've listened to, books I've ordered, things sure. I've watched, things I've subscribed to. Yeah. And um, maybe you can do the same if you have any or whatever. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably, don't worry about writing this up for the show notes. I'll contribute that. I'll contribute these and links and all of that. Um, so I, I mentioned twice Resma, um, um, Minicum. Oh God, I think I just butchered his last name. I'm so sorry. Resma Minicum. And he was on, on being with Krista Tippett, um, this, uh, past week. And it's, is a phenomenal, phenomenal, um, interview. Um, he's, he makes me want to seek out somatic therapy and learn as much about somatic therapy as I possibly can, because he's, he sells it. <laughs> he really does. Um, of, um, Ibram X Kendi, I, he was on Brene Brown's Unlocking Us podcast. He's, just a phenomenal voice so much to learn from him and um austin channing brown I, i've followed her for quite a while and um i love everything she has to say and she was on the good life project um i think he recorded it before uh george floyd's murder actually but um uh he she's she's a she's a fantastic um, voice and has and an author. And, um, I think she's act, I think there's a new, I think Brene just released a new episode with Austin Channing Brown as yeah. well. And I haven't listened to it yet. Um, so I, those are the podcasts that I've listened to just in the last week. Um, I ordered e both of Ibram X Kendi's books, um, how to be an anti-racist and stamp from the beginning. Um, and we, we talked about this before uh, we started recording, but if you haven't looked at the New York times bestseller list this week, go look at it. It's really, it's so cool to see um, all the black authors on the, on the um, nonfiction side of the New York times bestseller list right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of these books are, are depleted. The stocks are depleted everywhere. And, um, so they're all back, back ordered. And so I'm waiting for those. They, it may take a couple of weeks for those books to get here. Um, I'm waiting for my all audible credit, which I think shows up today. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to download white fragility. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that there's a lot there that I, that I need to learn. Um, and then um, I ordered Sonia Renee Taylor's book, The Body is Not an Apology. Mm. 
and uh, and then My Grandmother's Hands, which is the book by um, Resma um, Menachem. And I put that on my, on a library hold. Our library is finally opening back up for curbside. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Audible. I have credits. I could do that. And listen to Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Use your Audible credits because all of these books are on Audible. Now, some of them are workbooks, so it's almost like you'd be better served uh, with the actual book or the Nook or the Kindle or whatever, but, um, but um, some of these, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to just pull up on Audible. Um, let's see. I watched 13th again. I've watched it. I watched it once already when it came out, but I rewatched it and got so much more out of it than I did the first time. That's a, it's a Netflix um, documentary that's should be required watching <laughs> for, for everyone. Um and then uh, I had some movies that m- my son and I had on our list to watch for a long time, and we just hadn't watched them. So we watched them last week. Um, Dolomite is my name is so such a good movie. I mean, I've been a big fan of Eddie Murphy for a long time, and this movie is it's actually based on a true story and it's so good. And then we watched black Klansman because Max had already seen it twice and I hadn't watched it yet. And so we watched that and those are both just excellent movies. And, um, and then lastly, I haven't yet, but today on my list was to sign up for Rachel Cargill's, um, unlearn, um, offering through her Patreon. I was reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think she does a new topic every month. And so you subscribe as a patron for as little as $5. And then, you know, we all know now how Patreon works for the most part, as little as $5 anywhere, as much as you want to um, commit to monthly. And she explores a new topic every month. And, um, and then Austin Channing Brown, who I mentioned earlier, she has a um, subscription-based newsletter on Substack. So you can sign up for free, you know, if, if, if that's all you can, if you can't afford to pay for her work. But um, she does a regular newsletter, but then she also has a paid subscription model on Substack where you can get more, even more of her work that way. And that's it. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's great. I only have a couple. I started, okay. I started following Rachel Rogers. Um, oh, I love her. Me too. On Instagram. And I really appreciated, I started watching her last week and went back and was watching her older videos too. Uh, I bought the Layla Syed book, Me and White Supremacy and the workbook. So it's on back order. And I started watching Dear White People. And mm. so interesting. That storyline is, yeah, that's what's happening right now. And, uh, oh yeah, I bet. Forgot about that. Campus police and pulling a gun on you know a student, um, and that's what they're outraged about right now, and they should be. And just watching the play between um, the students and the Black Student Union, and it's it's great. It's great. And she has a, a radio show called Dear White People, and um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. Oh, well, thank you, Sandra. I'm glad to be back and chatting. 
And uh, yeah, this would have been <clears throat> the elephant in the room if we did not talk about this. And, and I'm so grateful that we did. Me too. Me too. And we've, you know, opened up the discussion in our, in our Facebook group. Um, we have a lot of, we have a lot of women in there that, that do just, they give a shit. They really do. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I love that. Um, you know, tell me, call me out too. I'm, I'm, I, uh, know that I will, um, get it wrong and get things wrong again, but that I'm open to listening without being defensive. And so, um, I'm here for feedback as well. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. Oh, all right, my friend. All right. Wrap this one up. We're back. It's like it's like riding a bike. Sandra's yeah. riding a bike. I put my microphone in the wrong place this morning. <laughs> All of my settings were wrong on Zoom. Yeah. But we did it. It's always a miracle when we do it, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah. I that's don't either. What I wanted to talk about today with you too. And that's, um, thank you for uh Thank you for all the resources and all the work that you've been doing with it, Sandra. I truly appreciate you um, taking the lead on this and helping me um, muddle my way through. Oh, well, Great. we're doing it together. All right, bye, everyone. All right, bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.